Today is February 3rd, 2021. Republican Representative Marjorie Greene draws criticism from both sides of the aisle. Democratic Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is asked to apologize for remarks that she made last week. And Trump's legal team lines up a pretty weak argument. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family to another fantastic episode that we got rolling out to you here bright and early on this Wednesday morning. Y'all, we have had a good week all coming together here on this beautiful Wednesday to let you guys know that we've got the best podcast that we have done so far right after we rolled out. Our first ever guest episode here on Split the Difference podcast that rolled out yesterday. Y'all, please go give it a listen. Landon Thompson and I had a great time talking, catching up, having a good drink, and having great conversation. We talked about a wide variety of topics, and I'm sure that y'all are going to absolutely love it. So, as usual, On our podcast today, we're going to be doing our best to look at the left and the right and to, of course, find that sweet, sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. If you are new to our podcast, welcome in. Our goal here is to be educated in our opinions and to know that there will be people that have opinions that are different than us, and there's nothing wrong with that. Our goal is to try and find the middle ground wherever possible, look at the hypocrisy on both sides of the aisle, look at the good stuff on both sides of the aisle, and of course, try to be level-headed, try to be reasonable, and split the difference and find that truth in the middle. So if that's something that you're interested in, hop on in with us as we jump into our first story of the day, story number one. So for our first story of the day, Republican Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene caught some serious heat from both sides of the aisle over this past week. Uh, This is pretty interesting because it's been gathering a good bit of momentum basically because she is bananas, okay? She is a representative out of Georgia's, I believe, 14th district, um, and she's been coming under a lot of fire initially because she pretty much berated about a 20-year-old kid named David Hogg, who is, we'll talk a little bit about him later, but uh, she berated him on the street about gun rights and gun control activity. She was a fierce, fierce Trump supporter, claiming all the way to the end that she wanted to stop the steal. She still has not fully acknowledged that the election was not completely fraudulent and that Donald Trump did, in fact, lose the election. And as a result, she, of course, is catching a lot of heat, even from people within her own caucus. So, Let's hop in real quick and take a take a look at this is uh, today the Today Show uh, coming through and doing some reporting on Marjorie Taylor Greene. So this is it. A one woman flashpoint. You're attacking our Second Amendment. And you have nothing to say. From taunting a school shooting survivor to trash talking in the halls of Congress. Democrats impeaching Trump for nothing is crazy. That's what we're dealing with here in the House of Hypocrites. 46 year old Marjorie Taylor Greene represents her Georgia district and a caustic brand of politics. I'm tired of Republicans that lay down and allow this country to be ravaged. The Trump backing Republican embraces completely false QAnon conspiracy theories and in a newly uncovered video from 2018 claimed former President Obama is Muslim, 
The Clintons had JFK Jr. killed and even questioned whether a plane crashed into the Pentagon on 9-11. All right, so that just about sums it up. A little bit about Miss Green. So she won in a very, very red district in Georgia, basically the northeast, northwestern portion of Georgia, after beating out eight other Republicans in a primary. A lot of those Republicans, and I think nationwide, viewed her as not much of a threat because she seemed to be kind of like coming out of, you know, just right field. Like nobody really knew who she was, what she was really campaigning on. She was just really, really loud and boisterous, didn't really view her much of a threat. And as a result, she ended up winning the primaries, of course, and was put onto the ticket. Uh, Later on, uh, heading into the race, the Democrat that was running against her actually dropped out, meaning that she could not have lost her race unless she, of course, seceded. Uh, but, you know, that's not going to happen. So she is actually certifiably bonkers. OK, and I mean this in like the realest sense of the world and the word. So she has been on record supporting some absolutely crazy conspiracy theories. OK, and don't get me wrong. Right. Everybody's entitled to their opinions. There's some conspiracy theories out there that I guess maybe are a little bit more believable than others. Everybody has their certain conspiracies that they like to dive into that they think are fun or think are cool. But then there's also people that buy in wholeheartedly to like totally whack conspiracy theories, okay? And I don't just mean that like there was election fraud, okay? That's not necessarily a conspiracy theory, right? Like I'm talking about like we didn't land on the moon, like Bush did 9-11, like Harambe is coming back and saving the world, okay? That kind of crazy level of conspiracy theory. So she actually, in videos, has alluded to the Camp Forest Fire that happened in 2018, I believe in California, was started by a Jewish family that shot a laser beam that they got from space into the woods to start the fire. What? She also said, like you heard earlier, that, that that a plane did not actually crash into the Pentagon during 9-11 has also alluded to, you know, basically that, that was all constructed and fabricated by the political elite. That has been a pretty famous conspiracy theory floating around for the last 20 years. Um, she is also a pretty avid supporter of QAnon conspiracy theories, which if you have not done any research into QAnon conspiracy, pretty interesting Definitely some pretty wacky stuff out there. Basically, the premise of a lot of the QAnon theories, this is not all of the mainline QAnon theories, but a lot of them push towards the idea that Democrats are all Satan worshipers, pedophiles, basically running a gigantic pedophilia ring, and also that they're cannibals pretty cool stuff. All the while, floating under the guise of like this Christian prophecy, right? Somehow QAnon has like gathered together this group of like Christian people that believe that the Bible has said in some ways that like all of this was prophesied for all these things happening in America right now. And it's their job to stand up as patriots of America and followers of Jesus Christ in order to be able to push back the powers that are in, that are at B powers that be that are in the democratic caucus, because of course they are all Satan worshipers bonkers okay so she caught a ton of attention over this past week or so because she decided to walk behind uh david hogg uh who's a very outspoken student after the stoneman douglas high school shooting in 2018 many of you have probably seen him on the news at one point or another 
campaigning for and being an activist for uh, limiting gun ownership or just getting rid of guns altogether. Um, he's caught he caught a whole bunch of tension on the media because I think more of the left wing media was I think pushing and still somewhat pushes like gun like a lot more gun restrictions and gun control because they do tend to be more left wing right so he got a ton of attention as a result of that because he was a kid that survived a school shooting. And was coming out and saying that we should ban guns. He was a very, very easy, you know, spokesperson that a lot of the media could look to. Um, the amazing thing is, is old Marjorie here decides that it's a good idea to just follow this kid down the street, berating him. And he was more mature about it than she was. He just ignores her, just keeps walking pretty much acts like it's not happening at all. And she looked like a total lunatic, right? Like this is a grown woman following around this like 20 year old kid. And just because she doesn't like his opinion in politics and the fact that he is outspoken about wanting to restrict gun ownership, I understand if you disagree with his opinion there. Personally, I disagree with his opinion there. Am I going to follow that kid down the street yelling at him as a congresswoman? Like, what? So, at this point, there are some Republicans that have come down, come out and condemned her a, a good bit, namely Mitch McConnell, who came out and said, quote, Loony lies and conspiracy theories are cancer for the Republican Party and our country. Somebody who suggested that perhaps no airplane hit the Pentagon on 9-11, that horrifying school shootings were pre-staged, and that the Clintons crashed JFK Jr.'s airplane is not living in reality. <laughs> like, you would think, right, that Mitch McConnell would not have to come out and say something like that. You would, you would think. So... You can tell that a lot of Republicans are really kind of starting to distance themselves from her a little bit. Um, and Democrats in the House actually put up a resolution uh, to have her removed from the various committees that she's on within the House. I believe she's on two, uh, the House Labor and Education Committee and then the House Budget Committee as well. So she is on committees affecting uh, legislation that gets pushed through the House right now. And she believes all of these conspiracy theories. So at this point, I really cannot stress enough how important it is that the Republicans purge people like this from their ranks. The Republicans right now are in such a rebuilding stage, okay? The party has been absolutely destroyed over these past four years because Trump consolidated all of this power on the Republican Party. He then, of course, is gone after making a gigantic show of everything over the past two or three months. And the Republicans are kind of looking around and they're like, what is our identity going to be? Who are we going to be as a party? How are we going to effectuate change? And how are we going to be able to get voted into office Especially when we have people like Marjorie Taylor Greene that are within the Republican Party and actively speaking and speaking very, very loudly. Okay, the Republican Party being in the shambles that it is in right now need to be able to pick the pieces up and put things back together in a way that is cohesive enough so that they can push back on more progressive legislation that is being put put forth in the House and then eventually in the Senate as well. If they plan on creating a party that looks like it can be elected and trusted with leading the country, they can't have crazy people like Miss Green here going around and spouting all of her crazy conspiracy theories and saying a bunch of, you know, just ridiculous stuff. So, 
what do you do about it, right? Because you're not going to just go in and just kick her out of the house. Like, you can't just impeach her because she's bananas, right? She was voted into office. But what you can do is remove them from positions of power within Congress and effectively silence their voice when they go to actually vote on things or say anything that's absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, if they want to push forward and actually perpetuate, you know, good policy and have their voice heard in that way, that's totally fine, right? A great example of this is a few years ago, Stephen King was a House Republican, okay, and he was stripped of all of his various roles on committees that he was in due to extremely racist stuff that he'd said, right? He had had a history of being racist. He was a total piece, okay? But he was censured by the re- by the Republicans, by the represent- House of Representatives. They came together, publicly denounced him, right? Like, he came out and said some racist stuff, All the major Republicans came out and they were like, he's an idiot. That's not what we think. And as a result, Stephen King lost the next race that he that he ran in. Okay, he was unseated. I believe that he had won eight or nine consecutive terms and he was then unseated because of how I mean, the joint effort by Republicans to be like, we can't have people like this in our party because it destroys the identity of the of the Republican Party, right? People don't want racists in office effectuating change for laws, right? So we've got to get them out. We've got to let people know that that is not what we stand for. And it worked. He was out. Mr. King hit the road, Jack. So... I think it is imperative that Republicans work diligently to become a party of reason and work to try and find the center ground a little bit. Okay, people are not voting for and do not want these crazy conspiracy theorists in office. And for some reason, a lot of these crazy conspiracy theorists are all for the most, like a lot of them are kind of centering and finding a lot of traction on the right side of the aisle. Not sure why that's happening. A lot of it, I think, has to do with online public forums and stuff like that, but Um, they've got to be able to get people like this out or at least quiet their voices so people don't think that that's what the mainstream Republican Party thinks, right? We need a strong Republican Party just in the same way that we need a strong Democratic Party as well. And, you know, there is plenty of hypocrisy on both sides, which actually we'll get to in our second story. But if the Republicans want to rebuild right now, they got to get the lunatics out of there, right? She's a great example just... If you can, right? (laughs) So with all of that, that is the end of our first story. Let's hop on into our second story of the day, story number two. So for our second story of the day, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, says some pretty crazy stuff on Twitter and causes a firestorm on the right. So after we've gone through and talked about all a crazy person on the right, let's talk about a crazy person on the left. So um, about a week ago, when all of the GameStop stuff happened, okay, so as many of you know, I think it was last Friday in my podcast, I talked a little bit about all the craziness surrounding this GameStop fiasco and all these Redditors pushing the stock price through the roof and basically bankrupting a couple of hedge funds, right? So, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, tweeted about how we need to hold these companies accountable for trying to limit people from trading on their platforms and buying whatever they want, and basically stop these big institutional investors from stomping on the little guy. Well, uh, well, I guess before we get into what actually happened, if you don't know who AOC is, so... AOC is a very, very popular, far, far left progressive Democrat from New York. She got voted in in an incredibly blue district, very similar to kind of what happened with Green. Uh, I mean, very dark, dark, deep blue district. Um, 
She is very popular for incredibly brash and outspoken style. She is, you know, for the most part, she's young. She's attractive. She is very intelligent. I don't care what anybody on the right side of the aisle says. AOC is not an idiot, okay? She knows what she's doing. There's nothing more frustrating than hearing a Republican be like, well, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is just an idiot. She has no idea what she's talking about, right? Yes, she does. She's incredibly smart. Everything that she does is calculated. She does all of it on purpose, okay? She basically takes a ton of heat from the right because she says a lot of things very purposefully to absolutely infuriate them, right? I mean, this woman has a black belt in pissing off the right side of the aisle. She is so good at it, okay? She's just extremely loud. So Ted Cruz, a Republican senator out of Texas, decided to tweet at her after she made her tweet saying that we should hold companies accountable for trying to stop all the fiasco with GameStop. And he said, I agree, Okay, basically agreeing with AOC that he thinks that people need to be held accountable. So if you don't know who Ted Cruz is, okay, Ted Cruz is a Republican out of Texas. He's a senator. Like I said, he got a lot of attention because he was like in the final front running with Donald Trump in 2016 to get the Republican nomination. He's recently gotten a lot of attention uh, because for the most part, he pretty much sold out for Trump and also grew his beard out and he doesn't look nearly as much uh, like a crazy person. So he was all in on the voter fraud thing. He, to- I mean, like is all was all in for Trump. He was one of the senators at the very, very end that was still like, you know, stop the steal. We need to be out here, you know, trying to prove that there was election fraud and that we need to change the system and all this stuff. Um, he's popular amongst Republicans. Because he's very, very conservative, and he also is very outspoken as well. So, after Cruz tweeted that he agreed with AOC, she decided to respond to him and accuse him of trying to have her killed. Okay? He said, I agree. She tweeted back and said, quote, I am happy to work with Republicans on this issue where there's common ground, but you almost had me murdered three weeks ago, so you can sit this one out. Happy to work with almost any other GOP, that aren't trying to get me killed. In the meantime, if you want help, you can resign. What? Tried to have her murdered three weeks ago? Like, I bewildered, okay? So, 13 House Republicans all got together and sent a letter to Nancy Pelosi demanding that AOC apologize and recant what she said. And, understandably so, okay? There is nothing wrong with saying... If you, if AOC wants to come out and say that Ted Cruz is one of the people that helped to raise political tensions, um, it's okay to criticize him for supporting all the election fraud stuff. Totally fair, right? He's received a lot of due criticism for that. But to say that he personally tried to have you murdered in a tweet that you sent out to your millions of followers, absolutely unbelievable. Like, no excuse at all, okay? This is the kind of stuff that should have legitimate consequences, okay? If you slander someone like this openly while you are in Congress, someone on the other side of the aisle that you are purposefully trying to raise tensions of, accusing them of trying to have you murdered, you should be removed from your positions of power within the committees and Congress. You should be, you know, there should be punitive and, I mean, there should be censorship. There should be stuff that comes out as a result of you saying something as egregious as accusing another representative within Congress of trying to have you murdered, okay? 
if we want any chance of any type of bipartisanship at all, this kind of stuff has to be openly condemned and there have to be consequences for it. Okay. And when I say that, I don't mean that we should keep her from tweeting. I don't mean that we should silence her voice, right? I'm not into the cancel culture stuff, but what you should do is you say, just in the same way of any other corporation, if I were to walk into work over these next two weeks and say that someone within my office tried to have me murdered, there would be real consequences for that, okay? If it was a complete lie, okay? The problem is that I have with all this is the incredible lack of, I guess, decency on the left to be able to be like, no, no, you can't say that, right? How in the world does this not violate Twitter's rules and standards of contact, terms and conditions? How has the media not jumped all over this and said that she is instigating violence? I don't understand it, right? Like the hypocrisy there is unbelievable. It has to be us as people that are willing and able voting constituents to go in and vote these people out of office that are saying absolutely bonkers stuff. Whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene down in Georgia or whether it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, not sure with all these women with three names, but uh, why we have to be able to be like, we don't like either of these, okay? You guys can stay on your fringes, okay? You can support your conspiracy theories. You can be crazy, but let us at least get stuff done and come to some type of bipartisan compromise that needs to happen, okay? Both sides of the aisle are raising the rhetoric. Both sides of the aisle are saying crazy stuff. And we, as the people in the United States, have to work hard to find the the middle ground, okay? There has to be a middle ground in all of this. And until we do that, there will continue to be heightened rhetoric around all of this. We have to be able to condemn crazy on both sides of the aisle. So with all of that having been said, let's move on into our last story of the day. Story number three. So for our third story of the day, Trump's legal team sends in their arguments. So they were required to send in the bulk of their arguments against the, his impeachment yesterday, I believe at 12 o'clock. Uh, they got the filing in, and for the most part, it was exactly what everybody expected. Nothing huge here, um, but it is interesting to see the exact arguments they're lining up and in the order that they decided to line them up. So let's hop in real quick. This is MSNBC reporting on this. Uh, let's have a look and see what they had to say. Yeah, you're exactly right. This is the 14-page document, that pre-trial filing that was due at noon today. We've just now received it from the office of the former president, Donald Trump. And it boils down to a couple arguments they're making, calling on uh, members of the Senate to dismiss this case, to acquit him of this impeachment charge, the insurrection, uh, the incitement of an insurrection. It says, among other things, that it should be dismissed as moot and in violation of the Constitution because the Senate, they say, in the filing lacks jurisdiction to remove from office a man who does not hold office. So this breaks down to a couple different things. One, the constitutionality claim, the claim that it's not constitutional for a former president to be impeached since they're no longer in office. Two, on top of that, they say that the president's speech on January 6th, the incitement of insurrection as claimed by the House impeachment managers was protected by free speech. The president was allowed to say what he said there because it was protected by the First Amendment. And finally, they say that the House article of impeachment is improperly. Okay. 
So let's break down uh, the three arguments here that have been laid out, okay, that they just talked about. The first, that it's unconstitutional for them to impeach a previously sitting president. The second was that he was protected under the First Amendment to say the things that he wanted to say. And three, that the House articles were improperly drafted. So the first, constitutionality. There's no doubt that this is something that has been hotly debated over the past few weeks. There are very, very intelligent way far, far more intelligent minds, legal minds that have been debating this back and forth for a little while now. Um, and both of them have legitimate points, right? I line up more on the side of, I do think it's completely constitutional because I think that you have seen other cases in American history where it wasn't necessarily a president, but you had people that left office that were actually impeached after they left office. Um, but at the end of the day, there are absolutely good arguments on both sides of the aisle. To me, though, what this boils down to is that the Senate already voted on and approved going through with the impeachment trial on a 55 to 45 vote. What that means is you can argue all you want that it is unconstitutional for you to impeach a previously sitting president. However, the Senate, the majority of the Senate, believes that you can. Okay? So... If you want to go in and you want to make that argument, totally fine. Your legal team can do that. However, if you are making that argument to a majority of people that believe that you can impeach a previous sitting president or at least hear the arguments for impeaching a previously sitting president, I don't know that that is the best avenue to go down in order to convince those people that the previous sitting president that you are defending should not be impeached, okay? The people that are conducting the trial believe it should be conducted. So arguing to them that it shouldn't be conducted may not be the best argument that you can construct. The second thing, uh, that his speech was protected under the First Amendment. So uh, the that is ab that's absolutely true, okay? But the articles of impeachment sent over by the House weren't alleging that Donald Trump should be held legally culpable for incitement of violence, okay? They weren't saying, at least in what I've read and what I've researched, the articles of impeachment coming from the House were not making the argument that Donald Trump should be indicted and convicted and thrown in jail because of the things that he said. You can say something that is protected under the First Amendment and still be impeached for it, okay? There are plenty of people that have said, that have been censured or impeached uh, for saying something that was legally fine under the First Amendment, right? But they were still impeached of it because it basically the argument is that they are not, they were not carrying out the duties of their office fit, in a fitful way, right? So it was deemed. Uh, basically, an, an impeachable offense for Bill Clinton, okay, to be, uh, to be removed, basically to be impeached, okay, uh, for lying about predict, per participating in some, we'll say, scurrilous activities with an intern, okay? He was legally protected under the Constitution to participate in consens consensual sexual acts with another adult, even if he was married, okay? But they impeached him because they said that he, al he had lied while he was under oath, okay? So he stood up and was like, I have not had sexual relations with that woman, right? And they were saying, when he went and he testified, he said that he didn't do it, but then it was later, later proved that he did. He was impeached for it, right? Bill Clinton... There's that was not in any way, right, not protected under the First Amendment, right? Like, you technically are allowed to lie under the First Amendment. You're not allowed to lie under oath, which is what they got him on. But 
Bill Clinton can stand up and say all he wants that he didn't have sexual relations with that woman, and they technically could not have, you know, convicted him of any type of crime for that. They can, however, impeach him for it, okay? Because the idea is that he had a dereliction of duty, okay? He did not perform his job in the way that he should. He was not upholding the office of president like he should have been, which is the same thing that the House is arguing now. So the third is that House Ac- the House articles are improperly drafted. This is probably the weakest of all of them. Again, House articles have already been cleared, voted on, and approved to commence the trial in the Senate. So they've been voted on in the House and got passed through the House. Then they get to the Senate. The Senate is like, all right, we're going to proceed with it. So they've been approved on both sides for at least the articles that they were written properly and constructed in the way that they should. Uh, It's not getting turned around, right? The the, the impeachment trial is not going anywhere. They're not going to be able to go in and convince the Senate that the House articles uh, were drafted improperly, and as a result, you just have to throw the entire thing out. That's not going to happen. So honestly, I think a lot of these arguments are incredibly weak. There was also stuff in there alleging that ele- uh, election fraud actually still continued to happen. Uh, he made the ar- They made the argument, his legal team, that uh, you can't prove that the election wasn't fraudulent, so you st- you can't accuse him of lying and saying that the election was fraudulent. Very weak arguments there, but we're going to have to see how all of it plays out. I am still not convinced that he will ever actually be impeached by the Senate. I don't think that they have the votes to be able to do it. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our last story of the day. Let's hop on in to our last segment, a new segment called Bro What? So for this bro what that we have this week, I was, you know, just flipping around a little bit on some social medias and I saw a news article that came through that said that North Carolina just disallowed the Confederate flag to be on license plates. And I was like, bro, what? What states are still allowing people to have the Confederate flag on a license plate? Well, Little to no surprise, of course, South Carolina's in there. I believe at this point, there are still seven other states that allow you to have a Sons of the Confederate Confederate emblem on your license plate as you are driving around. So you can have government-funded, government-endorsed racism as you're cruising around whatever city that you want to cruise around in. I was blown away that that is even still an argument that we're having. I just don't get it. Like, it seems like this kind of stuff, like... Confederate flag stuff, like, come on. Is this really an argument that we are still having right now in 2021? There it is. I said the year in order to support my argument. That's the best argument that you need right there. Just blows my mind, right? So at least North Carolina is stopping it. Um, Hopefully, you know, we'll start to see some other states do the same thing. I believe South Carolina actually has a bill in the state House of Representatives right now that is trying to get passed through that would keep uh, license plates from being able to have the Confederate flag on it, but who knows? So that was my bro what moment of the week because I was blown away that that even could still happen. So with all of that, that is the end of our show. Thank you for stopping by, for listening in, and for checking us out. As always, you want to find me on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on Facebook at Split the Difference, YouTube at Split the Difference, and of course, my website at SplitTheDifference.com with only one T. Uh, please go in there, drop me a like, a subscribe, a five-star review, share me around to all your friends and family because all that stuff, of course, helps a ton. Again, as well, go and listen to our first guest episode. Y'all will absolutely love it. We had a great time putting it together. With all of that, that is the end of what we're talking about here today. Remember, as always, y'all, stay level-headed, 
be reasonable, and of course, split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.